Welcome, welcome everyone to the Trail Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner. And in today's episode, we are talking gut health and how it relates to a trail runner's training and overall nutrition. It's a conversation that probably doesn't get talked about enough. Um, So I'm really looking forward to getting into this conversation with my next guest. She is a certified nutrition uh, nutritionist, sorry, and uh, received her master's in nutrition and functional medicine. So let's get into it with my next guest, Sarah Bartle. Well, help me turn the turning. Well, help me get it right. Jeff, it's so good to see you again. It's good to see you. Um, it's like like we said off air. It's it's been a few years, a couple of <laughs> lifetimes ago, since you and I have actually had a chance to sit down and and converse a little bit. So it's it's kind of sure nice feels to feels like to- it. <laughs> To catch up a little bit. <laughs> Definitely. And and what a way to catch up, right? Like I would have never thought like, so you and I go back to a few years ago when we were both doing, you were working with me doing some consulting with one of my clients and doing event to event sampling and all that stuff. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really cool to see how you've transitioned personally from helping me out on that level to now having this uh, nutrition business that you've got here and, and, and being a nutritionist. So it's, it's awesome to kind of see that transition uh, with people that I've known in the past and continue to have relationships with. So, so I want to get into this, but I, I really want our uh, our listeners to know who you are and what makes you an expert in gut health. Yeah, definitely. So, as you mentioned, I have my master's in nutrition and functional medicine, and so my area of focus then within that is on gut health and digestive disorders, um, autoimmune disease. So I see a lot of patients with complaints and it's so common. And so um, in the general population, but also with athletes, I mean, they say up to 90% of athletes have some sort of GI distress, you know, during the race, obviously racing and training, it's a, it's a big factor, but throughout just the daily life too, it's, um, something that a lot of us deal with. It's one of the things that drew me into functional medicine as um, kind of a a little bit later in life career change. Um, (laughs) It was just something that was always uh, an interest of mine, a passion of mine. And so just to be here talking with you about nutrition and gut health and also, you know, endurance racing is kind of like the best of both worlds, two of my passions. So and what I do now, you know, I meet with a lot of people. I have a virtual practice. So I, I see patients online, um, do a lot of functional medicine lab testing. And, and I guess to back up what functional medicine is, it's definitely science-based and deep in the research, deep into PubMed, but it's, it's not just looking at symptoms, right? It's looking at kind of zooming out and looking at every area of someone's life. So as a functional medicine nutritionist and not just looking at what you eat or calories in calories out, I'm also taking into consideration, you know, physical activity and sleep and stress and relationships and all of the things that you can't extract one aspect of and be healthy. To really start this conversation off, I think it's important to really know what is gut health and what makes it 
important too. And and again, we're since we deal with trail running, I want to point all of our conversation to the trail runner itself. So mm-hmm. what is what is gut health and, and why is it important for a trail runner to understand what this is? Well, 80% of our immune system is based on our gut. So there's there's that factor. There's a gut brain access. So that determines how we respond to stress. Um, we have a gut skin ax- axis, so you can have it manifest as skin issues. The microbiome determines how much fat we store and how we oxidize fat, which for racers can be important um, in determining fueling, um, especially in the longer races. And it really goes far beyond digestion. So if the balance is off, so our gut microbiome exists in this sort of um symbiotic relationship in our body. And so if it's off, it can lead to a number of chronic diseases. And as you know, endurance racing on an acute level tends to lower the immune system. And and it has also been found to cause leaky gut for a period of time afterwards. So something we want to be aware of. And also, as I mentioned, up to 90% of runners report having some sort of GI complaint Mm -hmm. during training or racing. I mean, We've all been there, right? Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, this, um, and when we talk about that and it lowers the immune system, does a lot of the gut health too and some of the GI problems, does that come with like an overtraining aspect of it? It definitely can be. And so um, currently I work with athletes and non-athletes. And so if you continue to push and continue to push and aren't treating your body right, fueling it right, paying attention to the symptoms it's giving you and don't take enough time off to rest and recover. You know, that's something I learned as I got older, that that rest and recover period, recovery period is as important, if not more so than the training itself. So um, once your immune system is lower, you're more susceptible to getting sick and that's going to deter training and racing. Now, what, one thing that I I personally don't really understand, I know you've mentioned it here just in the last couple of minutes is, is gut uh, microbiome. Is that how you pronounce mm-hmm. it? I, again, I don't understand that very much. So could you explain that a little bit more in the layman's terms sure. um, for people? The gut microbiome is made of trillions of microorganisms and they exist in our small intestine and our large intestine or our colon. And so it's sort of a symbiotic relationship, right? So they process the fiber that we eat, which is why it's so important. You've heard it time and time again to eat your vegetables, but it's so important to eat plant-based fiber because our gut my, our gut bacteria process that fiber and turn it into short chain fatty acids. And that's really anti-inflammatory and it feeds our intestinal cells. And when we have this healthy intestinal barrier there, it would comp- comprise of our epithelial cells, which is one cell thick. And that um, protects what's inside of our cells with our bloodstream or inside of our gut, with our bloodstream. There's proteins in there, there's immune cells, and then there's a protective layer of mucus. And so what all of this does, this gut microbiome, this barrier function is it protects us against pathogens. But the thing is, is it has to be semi-permeable because it lets in and out, you know, individual amino acids and nutrients and and things like that. So it's really this balance. It's like a a dance and (laughs) it has to be 
you know, you hear good bacteria and bad bacteria, but it's just not as simple as that. You have to have this balance, you know, it can't be all good or all bad. It has to be in sort of within some sort of balance. And, and if it gets out of balance, um, it can lead to leaky gut or and systemic inflammation. Leaky gut. The <laughs> <laughs> That's the term for intestinal permeability. Well, I guess that's one of the ways you're going to remember it is leaky gut. Like nobody wants a leaky gut. Um, Nobody wants anything leaking out anywhere, I guess. But um, (laughs) um, so when it comes to like, like your, your gut bacteria, and you mentioned that there's good bacteria, there's bad bacteria. Like how are some of the, how are some of the ways that runners can help eliminate some of that bad bacteria or even just minimize it, you know, Mm -hmm. as, as it, as it comes in? Well, it's, it's not a matter of, I guess, minimizing the bad bacteria, the things that feed the, so, so, you know, quote unquote, bad bacteria would be a diet that's really high in sugar and fat and things like that. And so it's just another reason that it's so important to eat as wide a variety as possible of fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, legumes, grains, herbs and spices. The more variety, the more color, the better, because that's what's going to feed those healthy gut bacteria. You know, there are certain bacteria that are in the research that have, that are called keystone bacteria, like acromantia, for example, that there's no, you can't go to the store and get a pill for it. You have to feed those healthy bacteria diet and they're associated with so many healthy factors from inflammation to leanness to lower risk for like diabetes and metabolic disease. And so it's just, it's so important to get as wide a variety as possible because every single plant food has different types of fiber that feed different types of bacteria that bind up different toxins and chemicals and heavy metals to be you know, packaged up and removed from your system, you know, and then also the, poly- the polyphenols and antioxidants, they each have different levels of those nutrients as well. So I'm always preaching the wider variety, the better. Um, it's something that the, the American Gut Project came out with recently that we should be aiming for at least 30 different plant-based foods per week. And that's not whole servings. It's really, you know, a handful or a couple bites or a sprinkle of herbs and spices, just trying to get as much variety as possible. And I've seen up to 50 in other studies. So how does, um, when we're talking about different types of diets and, you know, there's obviously there's things out there like your, you know, low sugar or no sugar diets. There's, but there's also stuff like your keto diets that are a little bit more higher in proteins and fats. Like Mm -hmm. how do, how does a diet like that affect um, affect your gut or your, or the bacteria that that's, you know, in there that's needed? Well, the keto diet, it, it can definitely have some very powerful therapeutic benefits. And also, you know, if you have blood sugar dysregulation and things like that, um, it can be a really powerful thing because it that's foundational to health, right? For most athletes though, um, they're active on, on such a regular basis that, the glycogen stores that that blood sugar is being used by their muscles to fuel their activity. So it's less of an issue. Um, I have seen, you know, more, more research is coming out that long-term being on a ketogenic diet for athletes specifically can be detrimental to their athletic performance. I've also seen some research that 
being on a keto diet for more than a few days even can starve off some of that healthy gut bacteria. I've seen positive research, you know, I've seen it great therapeutic benefits, but I guess what it comes down to for me is, is how you feel the best. And as long as you're getting that fiber in and not restricting your your plants, I'm all for it. <laughs> well, I, I think that's the most important thing is it's, yeah. as long as you're feeling good on your diet. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm on a strict uh, chocolate chip cookie, peanut butter cup diet. <laughs> I mean, I... I, I mean, hey, I, feel great. I, would, I love chocolate. So I, <laughs> I feel great. I, I mean, um, <laughs> so how is it being a vegan and and gut health? Because obviously vegan, you're getting a lot of plant based product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you see do you see better gut health uh, situations in vegans than you do somebody who's you know, like a vegetarian, like, as you said. Yeah. I was vegetarian for 15 years, but I think that's why people tend to feel better when they become vegan in the beginning for that first year or two, because they're eliminating a lot of the processed foods and eating a lot more plant fibers, ideally, although you can be a vegan on, you know, Cheetos and yeah, (laughs) you know, you can be an unhealthy vegan too, right? Yeah. It's not animal based. So, um, but long-term it is, it's pretty hard to maintain in the, you have to be very intentional about how you structure your diet, making sure you have the essential fatty acids, all of the B vitamins you need can lead to imbalances in the long-term. And then even the amino acids, like small amounts of quality grass-fed or wild-caught meat are so bioavailable in terms of all of the vitamins and, and nutrients and um, iron and protein in such a smaller quantity than it would take to get from plant foods. So when you when you have gut health issues, you need those amino acids and sometimes you know high levels of like uh, le- beans and legumes can actually cause a lot of gas and bloating, you know, yeah. lectin issues or things like that. So it's, it's, it's case by case, but honestly, I work with mostly chronic, chronically sick people. And a lot of the sickest people I see are vegans. Oh, no shit. Wow. Which shocked me because I'm still vegetarian at heart, but <laughs> <laughs> I had to add some back in when I started, when I got, you know, gut digestive issues and autoimmune thyroid issues. I had to start adding it back in, like I said, small, interesting. small quantities, but you know, really high quality and it made a world of difference. So, uh, I, I don't know. I, mean, I guess it just kind of shows you that every single type of diet that somebody can be on can have its positives and negatives, I guess. Right. So that's, that's interesting. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that your most challenging patients sometimes were the, where it was ahead of vegan diet. So here's, here's one of the most important questions that I think I would, at least in my, on, on one side of things. And then from a runner perspective, like caffeine and alcohol, like everybody loves their alcohol, right? I mean, everybody loves their caffeine. Um, (laughs) so how does, how does the intake of those two products, affect gut health and and is there like a long-term effect for over taking in too much caffeine or Mm -hmm. too much alcohol does that how does that work you know that's a very nuanced question um because for on the one side caffeine can improve athletic performance it can and partially how it does that is actually through increasing our pain threshold. Interestingly, it's also one of the highest sources of antioxidants in our diet. So, you know, from that perspective, 
it can be a very positive thing. It can also cause runner's diarrhea due to the laxative effect. So, you know, kind of a good frame of reference is three milligrams per kilogram of body weight is sort of the, what the research says, but, and, and that from the diuretic perspective too, it seems to be a little bit overblown because if you're drinking it on a regular basis in kind of regular, moderate consumption, it doesn't seem to have too much of an effect from that perspective. So there is a genetic component too, because some people are fast metabolizers and some people are slow metabolizers. So I know for me personally, I'm a fast caffeine metabolizer. So it really doesn't affect me. Other people after a cup get like heart palpitations or feel jittery. And so, I mean, that's sort of another situation where it's um, kind of a matter of, of personal preference. A lot of us, you know, before a morning workout or before a race, a cup of coffee is like a tradition. So it's really kind of yeah. figuring out what works for you. Yeah, I, I would just like everything else, right? Like I, I'm not a caffeine person whatsoever. And the moment I have a cup of coffee, I'm or not a cup of coffee, but anything with caffeine in it, I'm all over the place, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of one of those things. And that was, you know, for me personally, that's always been kind of interesting is how how caffeine actually does help or affect you know the nutrition you know base and what what you need in there um one of the things that you know you hear a lot of i mean a a lot and i I get it you know myself personally after i work out or if i if you drink way too much water it's there's always that bloating right Mm -hmm. and so how does how does bloating kind of play into the gut health? And is there a, a, a simple solution to help out with minimizing bloating in in your diet? There's not a simple solution, but... Damn it. Um, Damn it. Okay. <laughs> hate to break it to you. I'd be out of a job if that was the case. But, um, <laughs> well, the first thing that comes to mind when you say drinking a lot of water, you know, one thing that I ask people is... Um, you know, when you chug a glass of water, how long does it take before you urinate? Because it should take, you should be able to go like three hours. And a lot of people say, you know, it kind of goes right through them. And, you know, they're going to the bathroom 30 minutes after they have a glass of water. And so um, the first thing I always want to find out is how well they're hydrating and how well their cells are absorbing the water they're drinking. Electrolytes are, are a key. So one of the things that I use a lot in my practice with athletes and non-athletes alike. And I wish when I was deep in the racing scene, I wish I had known um, some of these things that I've learned along the way, but um, I use a medical grade um, electrolyte called Elite by Body Bio. It's like this perfect balance of sodium, potassium, magnesium, and it helps your cells to get that water into the cell. Cause a lot of times, you know, we're drinking a ton of water, but it's just not being absorbed properly. And that alone can be a game changer. Um, if you have access to like a bioelectrical impedance machine, it's usually used for weight, but I like to use it for measuring intracellular and extracellular hydration. You can kind of get a sense, but if you get something like that Elite solution by body bio, it's just like a tiny cap that you put in a big bottle of water and you sip on it throughout the day it makes a massive difference. I hated the taste in the beginning, it kind of tasted salty, but but that made a huge difference. And then with the bloating, additionally, there can be a lot of reasons for bloating. The, the things that come to mind for me first are like food sensitivities, 
SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, and then just general imbalances in the gut microbiome that we kind of talked about, um, or even just needing support with digestive enzymes. So for example, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is really, really common. It's a common cause of gas and bloating. And it's when those healthy gut bacteria we talked about the majority are supposed to be in the colon or the large um, large intestine. Sometimes they get up into the small intestine. And so they ferment that food a little bit too quickly and too soon. And it causes a lot of gas and bloating. That's one of the things I do in my practice too, is I'm always looking at lab testing and stool testing can be a huge insight into what's going on, why it's causing it. If you have bacterial overgrowth or, you know, too much methane producing bacteria or some sort of, you know, infection or pathogen or parasites are surprisingly common, um, not just in third world countries. And so, you know, you really have to dig a lot, a little deeper to figure out what's going on, or if there's a certain food that you're not digesting properly, you know, it could be food sensitivity like gluten or dairy, and it could be like FODMAPs. You've heard of probably no what's what what is it <laughs> um so those are like um <laughs> they're called fodmap stands for fermentable oligosaccharides disaccharides monosaccharides and polyols okay. so they're types of carbohydrates so usually when people are affected by fodmaps in general it's usually just one category of those so like it could be fructose or it could be lactose or you know, it could be galacto-oligosaccharides, which are found in like certain types of vegetables, like um, asparagus, things like that. Okay. So they yeah. they absorb water and they ferment in the colon and it causes gas and bloating. Um, so I want to move on to uh, one of the things that you hear a lot of is, you know, probiotics are obviously huge now as far as yeah. helping out with gut health and digestive issues and all of that stuff. So um, how are probiotics related to, you know, gut health and in, in, in general. Um, and and mm -hmm. what, um, what are some examples of probiotics that could be used to help benefit um, gut health? So, I mean, the common ones that you'll see if you go to a grocery store are, you know, lactobacillus, bifidobacteria, bacillus, even like Saccharomyces boulardii isn't technically bacteria. It's more of a yeast, but it's, um, Kind of eats up some of the pathogens and, and overgrowth. So, and then you're, you'll also see ones that are shelf stable versus refrigerated versus um, spore based, which the research is coming out more and more for those. They're basically indestructible. You know, you can heat them, not heat them, eat them with food, without food, and they'll continue to survive through the digestive tract. There's a, you know, a variety, but ultimately, the ones that we take as a supplement don't stick around for, for very long. They usually, they come, they go through, they do their job. They, they feed some of that um, healthy gut bacteria, create short chain fatty acids and those inflammatory anti-inflammatory compounds. And then they pass through. So that's why diet is so important. What we eat on a regular basis, you know, you don't have to get probiotics through a supplement. It's really like we talked about earlier. It's, that variety of plant-based fibers, fermented foods, making sure that that's an element of your diet. You know, everything from kimchi to um, yogurt is a tricky one. 
I know you mentioned that you I, love, I'm a, um, I'm a, I love yogurt, <laughs> uh, fermented foods. If possible, the best way to do it is to make it yourself. Cause unfortunately a lot of the things in the store just don't, a lot of that healthy bacteria that you're going for mm-hmm. doesn't survive processing and the shelf. Okay. But then it also doesn't survive your stomach acid. Very interesting. They usually add probiotics and processing. Okay. Uh, I was always kind of curious about that. I mean, I guess when we're talking about supplements and taking, you know, a, a supplement or just your normal everyday variety of foods, when it comes to the probiotics, how much should be consumed to help out? Is that kind of a personal um, situation or is there the kind of a standard of, yeah, you should be taking, you know, X amount of grams of probiotics per per week or per day? No, it's, it's kind of case by case. Um, I will say the caveat with, with getting it through food is kimchi. Actually, some of, some of those probiotics can survive the gut bacteria and actually get down there. Um, with probiotics, it's, it's really case by case. I like to, I like to stick with a good probiotic supplement and then also supplement with fermented foods, you know, raw sauerkrauts and kimchi and, and, you know, kefir or goat kefir, things like that. So I feel like the more variety, the better. Some people you need to ease into it because you're introducing completely new bacteria into your digestive tract, right? (laughs) And you can, it can take a while to adjust and it can cause symptoms and get more gas and bloating in the beginning. And that's where I am a huge fan of probiotics and I've dug really deep into the research and I, I created actually this document of all the all of the literature because um, it's strain specific. So if it doesn't say like, for instance, lactobacillus fermentum, like not just lactobacillus, you want to know the strain because each individual strain has different effects. So one can you know benefit one condition and another one can benefit a completely different condition. So um, depending on the reason you're taking it, you want to, to know what strain you're looking for. So I'm just kind of curious when I was doing my research on, on, you know, some of the probiotics and everything else, I, I came across uh, a term prebiotic. And so what is, for anybody who has not heard what a prebiotic is, what does, how does that come into play when it, when we're talking about the probiotic aspect of everything too. So probiotics are more generalized and prebiotics are a type of fiber that are fermented in the gut and they're more selective. So they stimulate the growth of specific types of microbe species in the gut. So prebiotics, some examples are like I mentioned, asparagus or onions or um, dandelion root, cashews, Cooked and cooled potatoes or white rice are actually a type of prebiotic or resistant starch that resists digestion and goes on to feed the healthy gut bacteria. So in supplemental form, you might see it sometimes combined with a, pre, with a probiotic because when you take them together, the prebiotics feed the probiotics and help them to flourish in your gut. So like FOS, GOS, lactulose, Rice bran, rice bran fiber, they're all different types of prebiotics. Interesting. Yeah, I've, I had no idea that there was anything that, you know, from, from that p- 
that that existed, I guess. You know, again, it's all commercialized in a sense. Like you hear probiotics, you, you know, it's yeah. all, they, they commercialize specific things. So you never really, unless you're doing the research, you never really hear about how these other things kind of tie into the prebiotic side of things. So mm-hmm. um, one of the uh, things that, I found interesting. Again, we're and since we're talking about trail runners, I'd love to get your take on this. Uh, I read something in an article that said that there is a huge connection between being outdoors and how it affects your gut health for the good. Now, being outdoors doesn't necessarily need to be a trail runner. It could be playing tennis outside or hiking or you know running up and down a soccer field. What is, in your professional opinion, the connection between an outdoor, being just outdoor active and how it affects your gut? Well, being outdoors in nature, for one, has profound mental health effects. You know, it, it, 90 minutes, they say, at least being out in nature or walking or running, um, it can decrease like, negative feelings or rumination, depression and anxiety. It actually is associated with longer telomeres and aging. And, you know, just any kind of connection to, to nature and to others, um, that fresh air, getting natural sunlight that affects our circadian rhythm, it affects our vitamin D status. You know, and I think in Japan, they talk about forest bathing and how hmm. powerful it is for health. Yeah. It's an activity that people do. And so sometimes when I'm out just like on a trail running or walking, I just, you know, try to take it in and take a few deep breaths. And I just, it really, it has an incredible effect, but, but like you said, it doesn't have to be running or walking, being outside. There's an element too, of like you're gardening and digging in the dirt. You're there's probiotics in that soil. There's bacteria that feeds our, our gut microbiome. And, and so I think it's, multifaceted. I am sorry. I can't help but to laugh. I keep thinking to myself, okay, runners, having a forest bath (laughs) does not, does not allow you to stop in the middle of your trail run and at least at a trail race and uh, start bathing yourself. (laughs) So don't do that. Don't do that. It's not an actual bath. It's kind of like just surrounding yourself in the forest, right? Like taking it in. bathing. Hey, I stopped You're by. You're taking it as, too literally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, that's I don't want my runners to take it literal either. So no, no jumping in the water and just bathing during a race, guys. Please. Hey, they might be healthier for it though. <laughs> and there's and there's a few of you who are listening that I know jumped on that same thought process that I did as soon as you heard it. So if you're one of those people and you know who you are, don't take it literal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Sarah, really quick uh, to, to kind of finalize and finish up the conversation, um, and I'm going to put you on the spot here really fast, and just some quick tips, your maybe top three, top five things that somebody could look at after this conversation and say, okay, I need to look at X, Y, and Z first and foremost as just the most simplest things to help out with, ways to help out with gut health and move in the right direction. What, what would be your quick tips for that? So the most important thing you can do is have variety in your diet. You know, we are all guilty of eating the same 10 foods over and over and over that can not only keep you from getting some of these healthy, beneficial fibers that feed your gut bacteria and some of the um, antioxidants that come from them as well. But on the flip side, if you have intestinal permeability or, and you know, one of the things that we talked about after a race or after a really strenuous 
workout, um, you do tend to have intestinal permeability for a while because any level of stress can, can cause that. That's when you get that inflammation. It can lead to food sensitivity. So variety in that sense too, will keep you from developing those. Um, in addition to all of the variety of you know, micronutrients and antioxidants and, and fibers you're getting. Like I said, aim for 30 to 50. It's fun to keep track of it, kind of turn it into a game. I created this document that I hang on my fridge and I, I kind of keep track of how much variety I've had, how much color, how many color categories I've hit. <laughs> you know, when I go to the grocery store or a farmer's market, I'm trying to find, okay, what am I not naturally drawn to? Try, you know, try something new. I think parents do that for their kids though too, right? I mean, isn't that yeah. a way to get your kids involved with that? Totally, <laughs> totally. Turn it into a game, you know, think of what would have gotten you excited as a, as a little kid. You know, just make food fun. It should be something that you enjoy, something that visually is, is colorful and exciting and less processed as possible, right? That's another, another key thing. So the less processed your diet, the better, the more variety, the better. Um, pay attention to, you know, if your body's giving you signs like headaches or bloating, it's, you know, start to keep track. And what have you eaten within, it's actually a 72 hour delay. If it's not an out food allergy, it's like, it can be within three days of getting those symptoms. So pay close attention because your body is telling you something something's not working. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for, for joining me today. I, I know I, I actually learned a shitload. So I was, oh, good. Uh, yeah. So if, if nobody else takes anything away from this conversation, I know I did. So I, I appreciate um, learning a little bit more about, about how the gut kind of works within, you know, your nutrition plan and, and, you know, what you need to be doing a little bit more, even if it's, and I know this was, we tried to simplify it as much as we possibly could. There's obviously a lot of that goes into knowing how your gut health works within your normal nutrition and stuff. So if anybody really wants to learn a little bit more, please reach out to Sarah, Sarah, where can they reach you at? On all the social media channels, just Sarah Beth Bartle. And I, I will say, you know, this population in in particular is already head and shoulders above the rest of society just because, you know, exercise and, and trail running and being outside and being active already benefits. It benefits you have a more diverse gut bacteria just by doing that. Yeah. If there's any, if anyone has specific questions um, or specific strains of probiotics, you know, to treat certain conditions or runner's diarrhea, things like that. I'm happy to share um, that document that I put together. So, um, or answer any, any individual questions. So thank you so much for having me on. It's been so much fun to, to talk about racing and, and gut health. All right, that'll do it for another episode of the Trail Life Podcast. A special shout out to Sarah Bartle for joining me today to talk about gut health. Again, not a topic of conversation that we normally have when it comes to the nutrition conversation. So it's great to have that. Good to get a little bit more of an explanation. And again, if nobody else got anything from that conversation, I know I did. I learned a lot today uh, with my talk with her. So if you've got any questions, I know that there was a lot of technical stuff uh, being talked about. So if you have any questions, always feel free to reach out to Sarah herself directly. You can do so at her website, sarahbartlenutrition.com. That's S-A-R-A-B-A-R-T-H-E-L, nutrition.com, or on any of the social media channels, at Sarah Beth Bartle. 
All right, everybody. We hope you guys learned a little bit today. We'll see you out on the trails real soon.